Welcome to the Today Dreamer podcast. My name's Michael, I'm your host. I'm a meditation teacher, a musician, a mentor, and a conversationalist from Melbourne, Australia. And this podcast, the Today Dreamer podcast, is here to help you cultivate the practice of presence in your life in order to more fully participate or contribute to the emerging world story as it unfolds and it's blossoming. Today's guest, Jimmy Woolenbin, is, you know, just a beautiful being. I came across his work on Facebook as he was helping kind of relieve some of the suffering from a recent flood in in the north side of Australia. So Jimmy's work has been really beautiful to kind of witness from afar. So I thought I'd get in touch and see if you'd be interested in a chat. And he said, yes, I'll tell you a little bit about Jimmy before we get into things. Yeah, let's just let's just go with this bio. So Jimmy is not an, uh, a GP or an MD, but a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. He's one of those rare individuals that is an expert in his field that also knows how to teach others. He's spoken at the United Nations, opened for Deepak Chopra, spoken alongside Bruce Lipton, and has even been personally insulted by the Dalai Lama. He teaches integrative doctors across America, sits on the faculty of America Integrative Health and Medicine Association, and is a lifetime member of the Tibetan Medical Institute's Friends of Tibetan Medicine. Having joined in 2002 as a regular member, he's now also an esteemed fellow of the Australian Traditional Medicine Society. So, I think that's all for an intro. Before we do get into things, as we do on every episode, I'm going to ask you to, or rather invite you to just pause for a moment from whatever's been happening in your day or in this week or in this past month and just kind of take one or two really gentle deep breaths with me with us together before we get into this chat with Jimmy feel free to gently close your eyes well you can leave them open if you prefer and as gracefully and as slowly as you ever have in your whole life prior to this moment. See if we can take in a nice, gentle inhalation through the nose. And whenever it is that you may reach the peak of this breath, there's an open invitation to just pause feel into the subtleties of that experience before gracefully exhaling just as smoothly on the way out. Here's the conversation with Jimmy. So there's something that has happened that was quite interesting in, in our coming together before we even knew that we were together in a way for this meeting. Yes. And okay. it was this idea of the whirling dervish, actually. Huh? And I've heard you speak these words a few times. I didn't really know what it meant. So I had to look into it and it 
kind of synchronistically happens to be something that a friend of mine had recently inquired about because I speak about you know these kind of um, practices of presence and and it's kind of like the territory that I play in um, on the podcast. The podcast is here to help people feel into or cultivate their practice of presence, whatever that may look or feel like in their lives, so that hopefully there can be some deepening or, or, or some kind of participation or contribution to the emergence of, of the blossoming of the of the world story that's kind of coming into being. So this is kind of, I guess, again, another sense of a container. Um, but the whirling dervish itself caught my attention because um, it was kind of, yeah, I, I, I didn't know anything about it. And it was very interesting when I started looking into it and this golden thread kept unraveling into something quite marvelous. And I wanted to know, um, yeah, I guess another theme, quite probably a, probably a deeper one that, that comes up now that we're kind of, that I've started rolling is this sense of um, the body and almost like really, really having a look at that, having a chat about that. And on, on, on a really deep level, it would be nice to explore um, the, the question around the whirling dervish and how you've used it in terms of, an analogy for the body and or for health and the idea of um i guess what what is the body what what actually is the body i, I think that's quite an interesting question so i'm not sure if that's got right something yes firing good no i just it does indeed um it really does and that's really helpful i just need to have a dance floor um and then <laughs> we can then we can whirl yeah then we can swirl and twirl together and see where it goes yeah so um uh because i um uh fancy myself as a uh, as as a as a poet uh in in blooming then um the words that i got out of that were the whirling dervish in community um and uh then we can touch upon those um some of the questions that you know some of the, the sense of the, the community like how does one walk one spiritual path in community you know a lot of the models that we have are monastic and monk-like and sannyasin and reclusive and ascetic and yet those are the models that we all live have and the classical texts that we read by and yet none of us are living that life and so you know how do we how do we integrate that what do we do with those things if we're not uh, a yogi in a cave or a monk in the monastery uh, how does one learn from, you know, all of that the depth of wisdom that are in those traditions and yet apply it as a barista in Melbourne <laughs> with a child that has autism and a dog that has dandruff? Let's put that into the mix and then see how uh, all of those classical texts and ideas, uh, what, what they mean for us. Um, so, yeah, I think that there's, there's an enormous amount we can discuss around soul, spirituality, embodiment, and the modern world. Um, and that is that sound like it's going to speak to your, uh, your listeners and be um, congruent with your podcast? I feel like it already is. And I feel like anyone, if we are kind of putting this bit out, I think everyone is kind of already quite excited about the idea of it because I feel like I am. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, let's keep going with that then. Let's just keep rolling with uh, that question uh, of how does, where is the place for soul? Here's, here's the language that I would use, right? Where is the place for soul um, and spirit, uh, although I, I define those things diff very differently, um, in the modern world? 
right, in the modern landscape. Um, and the modern landscape, you know, we can define it however long we want, but at least a hundred years ago, or more than a hundred years ago, uh, Yeats wrote uh, the English, uh, Irish mystic poet, Golden Dawn, amazing character, um, wrote a poet, no, T.S. Eliot did. T.S. Eliot wrote The Wasteland. Sorry, not Yeats. T.S. Eliot wrote this poem called The Wasteland. And in a way, the wasteland is, is modernity, but it's a wasteland of soul. It's the stark grey space of the rat wheel. It's, it's that the world in all of its myriad of colours and textures and flavours and feelings dulls for the soul, right? And so how in the post, let's just say post-industrial era, where there's concrete and factories and machines and efficiency and everything moves by the hands of a clock, you know, rather than the sort of more flowing seasons of monsoon and cicada song, then how does one move through that rhythm as a cog in a wheel, right? Not as a cog in a wheel. How does one inhabit that, that divine watch that the divine watchmaker perhaps made to use that, that the debate that goes through Christian circles um, instead as a whirling dervish rather than a cog. How do we, how do we, how do we do that? That's a question, right? That's a question for, for you and I to try to <laughs> explore. Where does one, how does one find soul not in the Himalayas 2,500 years ago, not in a monastic order of San Friscans, uh, of, of all sorts of different monks and monastery traditions or nuns, right? In the Middle Ages, right? Not as a nunkari in Central Desert Australia, but as, you know, as someone that has Wi-Fi bills, someone that has to catch public transport, <laughs> someone that has all these responsibilities and lives in some form of indentured slavery, most likely because the economic systems require us to keep moving because it's very hard to otherwise be fed and sheltered, right? How, how, does one, how does one not become a cog in a wheel, but how does one move like a whirling dervish inside that space? Now that's a question for us, right? I don't know if I got the answers, <laughs> but I think the question is the most important thing that we ask that, and that we that it highlights for us that um, what does it highlight? Uh, for me, what that highlights uh, as an extra frame to this dialogue is that the wisdom traditions of which both of us are passionate and have explored, right? Various different wisdom traditions. They are, they can't be taken literally. They are always a finger pointing to the moon. And if we instead get stuck too strongly on the wisdom tradition, like the text says, the Buddha said, you know, as soon as you're saying the Buddha said, the Buddha is laughing. The Buddha is laughing at you as soon as you're pulling out your Buddha Bible and saying, no, 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 the sutra this, the Buddha said. The Buddha saying, this is why I wouldn't let you make statues of me for 1500 years. And, and this is why when I said, what shall you, when you said, what shall we call you when you are gone? I told you, just call me thus gone. 
Don't call me Buddha. Don't call me John. Don't call me Tathagat. Don't call me any of those things because I don't want you to get lost on the finger. I'm pointing at the moon. Watch where I'm pointing. Follow, seek what I sought. Don't follow me. Seek, seek what I sought. It's that way. And so traditions that were made in the past that are expressing something around a state of being, a state of being, not, a, not an external place, not like three streets on the left and around the roundabout, but navigating to an internal experience, an asana or a dance of consciousness. That's what the Buddha is saying, like this. Go like this. Be like a flag in the wind. That's what Christ is saying. That's what they're all saying. That's what, you know, that's what the, the shamans are learning. It's like you do this and you do that. And this is how you get to that, that place. This is how you get to that place. So those traditions have said all of these things about trying to get there, but they're wrapped up in all of this literal stuff like the Bible as well, that, that has the external trappings of a culture that is not ours that's gone but they still hold diamonds they still hold diamonds if if we can learn to follow the gaze of where the finger is that's pointing to the moon and not get stuck on that finger right and so so i've just said a lot of things i've said the modern world is a wasteland for soul in a whole bunch of ways and it wants to turn us into a cog in a wheel and I've said, how do we instead be a whirling dervish in a modern wheel, in the, in the modern world and in community surrounded by people and responsibilities and pets and husbands and wives and work offices? How do we do those things? What we're talking about is inside accessing wisdom traditions from the past. And I'm so about that, whether it's Amazonian or Egyptian, it sort of doesn't matter to me, like wisdom is wisdom. Um, but then how do we access those in a way that actually doesn't just leave us um, doing things like, well, my Amazonian Bible says that I need to have four condor feathers and I need to put them in the <laughs> east side of my wing. And then I must have this berry. And if I do that, then I'll enter a spiritual. Ah, <laughs> oh, you really got the finger then. That's what you got. You didn't get the moon. You got the finger, right? And it's, that's, that's what we're talking about. Those are the complex questions that I think I'd love to try and tease out with you what does that bring up for you what are your thoughts what's your wisdom and insight when you hear all of those <laughs> well, it's a gushing ideas yeah it's a beautiful question I, I i kind of what i'm kind of feeling into i guess is like looking at the moon with our eyes closed and rather than kind of getting distracted by the finger with them open so it's it's almost like a, a feeling into or a sense um a sensing into of sorts um a feeling beyond the emotional sense and, and the body comes into that beautifully. And also when I, I was kind of listening to this, I, I'm not sure what religion it was. I think it might've been Su Sufism or Sufism or it came from Rumi. And it was this, it was this guy with a beard and it looked like a very a wise, a wise guy with a beard. So it got All my right attention <laughs> and it was a video from like 12 years ago or something. So it had been around for a while and he was talking about, the whirling dervish and if we're kind of sticking with this kind of space it was and it, with what you're saying about how do we kind of um you know get, get the essence in a different kind of we're in a totally different kind of space right now 
and this kind of this 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 whatever we want to call it it's this it's this new paradigm it's this new new space that we're existing within and how do we kind of um i've been dancing around the idea of bringing the monastery into the home um but in our own way so it kind of fits quite nicely into what the questioning that we're kind of moving into but when he was speaking about the whirling dervish he was saying that as as they whirl there's almost like everything in the universe is is moving and the whirling is is a movement as well that's kind of an accentuation of that and a representation of that and the 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 feet on the floor is like this grounding element and uh, the whirling itself creates the movement that raises raises you up to the moon in a sense maybe from that sense of feeling and as we whirl it's almost like the tension point between the ground and and that 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 kind of movement or that spiral upwards that is kind of that's that's kind of the place to be that's kind of where it's at and it's interesting that um it that that i'm kind of like trying to connect that with what you're saying it feels like it does connect kind of naturally um but it's this space in the middle and it and it can't you can't really get there by staring at the finger or putting those feathers in your hat it needs to be somehow um access because there is a diamond there and it's 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 kind of hidden in plain sight it seems which is interesting yes. and it's yes. it's almost like how do we feel into that space and yeah and, and it, there's all these phrases you know let go surrender or um yes you know yes. there's all this stuff that comes up um and they can and, all feel like a finger at particular points can't they it's just like oh just surrender it's like yeah and yeah. fuck you too i've heard yeah. that <laughs> just yeah, let exactly. go. Oh, yeah. oh great that was easy just let go now i've got it thank you i yeah. should have looked at that section of my bible and then i'd be fine you know like yeah. Well, it comes up for me. It's almost like a, a, a gradual kind of how this process is gradually unfolding. And it's, it's almost like um, less force maybe um, needed to be applied or something. And maybe there's a, there's a, there's a natural moving into an acceptance of, of a recognition that that's happening um, already. And it's okay, wherever we're at in that process. Um, but then at the same time, almost like, I don't know. There's, there seems to be a, um, a calling forth or a need from a collective level, um, but without panic. So it's, it's a kind of like a paradoxical thing. It's like a, yes. Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of what comes up. I'm going to throw it back or yes, kind of gently great. allow the breeze to flow yes. back in your direction. Yes. Wonderful. Um, so there was lots in there. Um, one of the things that it's, um, it, it, it adds to me to the discussion as well is, rather than just how does one, I want to say court soul, you know, mm -hmm. behold the moon and court soul like a lover, not just in modernity, in the wasteland, in the machine, on the treadmill, but also in community mm. as, a, as a social being, you know, in, in the village, right? And, you know, so many of our stories uh, as well are of, uh, are of, suggest to us that spirit spirit is found outside of the world beyond the world above the world outside of the village the shaman has his or her uh hut outside the uh, away from the main thrust of the of the village life away from the pigs and the chickens and the and the butcher and the and the candlestick maker you know like the shaman's out 
the monastery is out and spirit is up hovering above we must transcend it's like a ghost it's it's ethereal spirit is other otherworldly it's numinous and so there's all of these things are, are suggesting outside of life the the the, the thing that you you're yearning for is found somewhere outside away from the dishes <laughs> away from the children away from the bills it's like yes yes <laughs> it must be away from these things for sure because the wasteland is such a you know it's such a wasteland it must be away um and so we're not living in a tent or a hut or a monastery outside of the village we're living very much inside the village and i'm living uh you know in a family right and and so how does the, the extra question that i think it's really important for us is is to to be asking um with all of those images in mind the of the old world and now the fact of our where our current circumstances how does one learn from those masters like rooming how does one learn to whirl right and that whole all of the whirling all the whirling that you've seen and all that beautiful imagery and that great tradition that's gone a thousand years now is because rumi was was walking through the village <laughs> he was walking through the town square or the village and there was i think uh bells that rung or there was there was a something happened right in the world but something in the world that's here let's say it was bells and the sufis will correct me when i turned out that i got that wrong something happens in the world and then he's just ah delighted by it right and he just stands there in the middle of the square and he just starts turning and he just starts turning and that's the he was the first whirling dervish you know and it's there it is and that was a spontaneous expression of reverie where he was transported by the village bells let's say you know but it 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 could be it could have been a, it could have been a, a murmuration of swallows and rumi still would have twirled right it could have been a thunderclap you know it it could have been i think you know like a uh a bitch having puppies in the corner of the street and he still he still could have whirled right and the point is it was it was in the world and it was in the body as well and so that's why i direct people towards soul increasingly at this point as an antidote to the disembodied and ethereal nature of spirituality spirit ghost ghostiness outside of the world above the world transcending the world beyond the world with the dichotomy that we've got of here's the material stuff and here's the spiritual stuff and our world is dominated by material stuff and then we want to escape it into the spiritual stuff right and those kinds of myths and models that are so common in in the new age at least you know very common i don't think they're effective i think they leave us with the finger and they don't leave us with the moon they don't enough not enough do they leave us all of us <laughs> meaning me <laughs> they don't leave me they didn't leave me with that as a whirling dervish in the midst of the village they left me as a cog that then then spun and spun and spun and then just sort of like try to get out of here and 
went and walked barefoot around India for a whole bunch of time or, you know, ate out of dumpsters and then just, you know, like, ah, oh, well then I'll just have to reject all of that. Mm. And then I got a woman pregnant and here I am in the world now. <laughs> and, and I can't reject all of that and follow the, the renunciate path anyway. And so then what does that mean? Do I just lament that I'm stuck here in the material world and that spirituality hovers above and I can only escape it in the material world in peak experiences, meditative or ayahuasca induced or, you know, sun dancing or whatever it is, that I can only access the other world of spirit in those transcendent moments when I get out and beyond all of this? Or, or is soul... <sighs> soul which is classically the bridge between spirit and body soul soul delights in the world soul is the language that we have that says it's the part of us that came to work and to try and to fight and to love and to lust and to lose and to swirl to be swirled around to be swirled around by the world to to grow sick to grow old to give birth to have dandruff, to, you know, to have, the soul says yes to all of it. Soul says, bring it on. I'm going on this ride. Take me down. I want to jump down feet first or head first through that birth canal. And here we go. And you're like, yeah, I just read the contract. You know, there will be plenty <laughs> of suffering and strife and discord. It will not be comfortable. And so I was like, yeah, that's a part of the point, right? I go and do that. And then afterwards, I feel great. Yes. So the language for me of soul is what has uh, largely replaced the language of spirituality, even though spirit is something that I think is a beautiful concept that still needs to be up upheld. I tend to direct the conversation for myself and think in terms of soul more because it is the bridge between those poles that we've separated in the West, body and spirit, right? And because it enables us to access something that is not the wasteland inside, inside the wasteland and inside community that's still within family, within loneliness, within mortgages, soul says and can say, yes, this too is fodder for my fire. Mm. Yes, give me your drudgery. Yes, give me your pain. Yes, give me your tragedy and your heartache and your loneliness. Give me the challenge, the soul says. The soul says that. Now, of course, too much of any of those things can result in trauma, right? And then it's, it's not growthful in any way. That's, that's, that's rough. But, you know, rough is a trite way, way to say it. Um, but, but still having a language that enables us to say yes to actually where we find ourselves with Wi-Fi and smartphones and, you know, clothes all made in China and bills that we need to pay, all sorts of little, you know, like that's where we're at, man. That's the reality for the vast majority of human beings today. So how do we have that and not make that a wasteland? Mm. How, how do we do that? Because that's where we are. There are those things. We inhabit a place of chordom at times. And, and is that, the thing that you do and then you, you must do and then you can climb your mountain and experience something meaningful and something larger than yourself? Or are there, is there other language where we can say, 
where it can bring it down here. And in this continent on Australia, it's, it's not a transcendent. It's not an Indian like ladder up into the sky. It's not chakras lined up and elements lined up in a linear fashion that goes up, 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 and away. It's not that. It's here down. It's in the earth. That what is sacred is here. It's manifest. It's not, it's, 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 it's imminent, right? It's not transcending our world. That which is magical, that which is meaningful, that which we yearn for most deeply is not above hovering above the world. It's in the land. It's in your feet. It's in your bones. It's in your menstrual blood. It's in your sweat. It's in your aching muscles and your aching back. You know, it's here. It's definitely in the, in the land. And so you, it's, that's why we incarnate, perhaps, if we just add in some extra new age philosophy on top of that. We come into the embodied experience, an embodied experience that's, that con contains all of those things. We exist in a cosmos, not only that has the weak nuclear force and gravity and all that stuff, but we exist in a cosmos that has hemorrhoids. It does. Perhaps there's other universes in the multiverse where hemorrhoids don't exist, but the universe that we've, we exist in has hemorrhoids. And so how do we, how do we inhabit this universe with its hemorrhoids, <laughs> you know, uh, where we can experience all of those things, right? All of those, oh, snotty, hard, glitchy, awkward, scratchy, gurgly, embodied, sunburnt, bloody, fiery. That's, that's the domain that we find ourselves in. And can we, on our journey here, take that and say, and find a way to, to alchemically transmute that, the wasteland, to take the wasteland of the world, right? The outside of the world. The wasteland is the finger, you know? It's not the moon, it's the outside. It's the signpost. Rather than Rome, going to Rome and getting all of the architecture, it's the signpost, you know, like in 1,500 kilometres to the left that says Rome. And that's where you're sitting on, right? It's like, how, but how do we take the external, the wasteland of the world, and how do we transmute it so that it is an oasis, so that it nourishes the part of us that yearns for connection, that yearns to be a part of something larger, that yearns to behold the moon and be transported by that. How do we do that in the world, in community, in modernity, in a marriage? <laughs> in a mortgage <laughs> just keep listing them off right <laughs> in a wheelchair like you know like in a traumatized nervous system you know in 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 a life that didn't have parents that were kind you know th those are the i think if we're going to talk about soul or spirituality then which we are then for me I find so much danger in the way in which it's normally spoken of that there is a, a great harm that is done by selling people a beautiful, a beautiful story that, that ends up giving them the finger, right? That ends up leaving them on the outside if we're not careful. And so that's my deepest concern about anyone coming into traditional medicine of like, 
yeah, you can just end up on the outside of this tradition after 20 years. You're just inside it and it's just another religion. It's another ideology. It's another ism. Ah, no, the Yellow Emperor says, you know, and you don't even, you, you, you're on the, you didn't follow what the Yellow Emperor was seeking. You just follow what the em Yellow Emperor says. It's a trap. Don't do that. You, that's not it. That's not it. Be very careful about deep, long, beautiful traditions of which I am an advocate in medicine. And I would say the same in terms of one's soul. Not to push them away, because then you've just got the wasteland, right? But how do, we, how do we entertain these two things? And the normal way in which people speak about it, I find seems to give us this dichotomy of there's the world and the drudgery and then there's the spirit up here. And then we do that when we're meditating and otherwise this stuff is not spiritual, which includes all of my funny emotions as well, like my possessiveness and my jealousy and my rage and my masturbatory fantasies, all this stuff that just exists, but sort of like, ah, there's no space for it. Whereas soul says yes, yes to the, to the anger and the outrage. Yes to the masturbatory fantasies. Yes to the, yes to all of it. And so that's what I find more inclusive and more rich. That's what leads me more frequently, not, I'm not trying to say I inhabit some higher state of consciousness than you or anyone else that's listening to us. I don't, I don't, but it leads me more frequently to a state where I feel like I'm able to behold the moon or that I am that whirling dervish amidst the fluster and flow of life or just that I'm not in the wasteland, you know? I often am in the wasteland, <laughs> but those are the ways in which I, I think about it or speak about it that helps me to, to minimise the territory of the wasteland inside my mind and my life and my heart in terms of what, what, what's the wasteland? What, what am I saying no to? What's the non-spiritual, you know? So we can't just concentrate all of our fairy dust over here in the Buddha realms, in heaven, in the shamanic seventh realm of, you know, like whatever, in the chakras, all of the, all the stuff that's glittering and beautiful and meaningful and magical is over there in this category. And then most of the world is a wasteland. Then. It's just not a chakra, you know, it's a dishwasher. <laughs> it's a bloody dishwasher you know it's like ho-hum at best right how can we frame this as citizens of the modern world as people that are outside of tradition rediscovering new traditions yearning for something yearning for connection yearning for what yearning for what are we yearning for what's our language is it spirit or is it soul <laughs> makes a big difference yearning for something these these are the ways in which i speak about it and think about it and approach it uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections on that. Toast comes up for me for some reason. <laughs> Great. <laughs> awesome. Toast. Is there anything more sublime and soulful than fresh, hot, <laughs> for me, buttered toast? Exactly. What a great example. But it, it comes up in a strange way because I guess if you leave the toast under the grill for too long, it gets burnt. And then it takes a little bit of space from that environment to kind of you know take it out and in a very sacred and ordinary way slowly start to kind of you know with a butter knife get rid of some of that ash and i think what you were sharing there um in terms of even your own journey from one extreme of the spectrum to the other and then finding a way somewhere in the middle um 
to dance. I, th I think that was quite a beautiful um, representation of a deepening of soul through that experience. So I feel like even if that does happen and those traps are fell into, um, which has happened to me as well in yeah. quite a similar way, yeah. I think there's in, there's still like a deepening of that ensoulment process, which will you know allow those footsteps to, I don't know, feel more embodied. Um, and there is something about you know, connecting to the, the, yeah, the sacred within the ordinary, that is quite, um, quite a beautiful thing to touch and to touch more and more regularly or, or, or gradually, you know, at least have an ambition to do that. I think that itself creates a space for other people as well. And this idea of um, practically walking rather than kind of dictating um, is something that I've been kind of looking into recently. And this idea of really just helping or participating and, and contributing by the footsteps themselves. Um, but yeah, I can definitely kind of feel into what you're saying around, you know, the, the care <laughs> that's, that's deserved in that space. And um, yeah, also this idea of the space itself and having, having a moment to breathe amongst the community and finding where your kind of balance of, you know, this is my space for, for you know, using mine in this kind of regular way, but this is the, this is the time that I can kind of sit here and um, breathe into a, a bit of space so that when I do re-enter the community um, in this, this kind of dancing motion, as the twirl goes on, I'm able to uh, find that middle space between kind of the heaven, the heavens and the earth, like in the middle of that spin, mm. it's like this, mm. this, I guess it's a, it's kind of a balance point, but it's always shifting and always moving. So it's never yes. a kind of a solid yes. thing. And it, there's yes, a sense of exactly. it being, being this real, this real kind of, um, yeah, there is this kind of, what's the word? It, it feels like there's a um, harmony or, or, or um, yeah, harmonious yeah. Um, joining of vibrations that kind of meet in a space where, it just kind of there's a singing that takes place and the, and the, and or it feels like maybe you're on some kind of a track or something and the rhythm can be yeah. right and it can only be really felt into you can't really measure it or quantify it and when you're on that yeah. kind of a path or track you kind of know it and when you're not you know it as well because there's signals yeah. that can be quite difficult and overwhelming especially um you know depending on where you are and how far you are off that track um but they are just kind of signals and i think there's this kind of, um, yeah, just feeling into when the toast is ready and not, and, and if it is burnt, that's okay as well. We just need to be mindful about taking it out and scraping off the ash. Um, it's not, it's not gone or destroyed. Um, but that's kind of what comes up for me with the sharing. And also this thing that you've, you've said in the past around this ease and, and this is almost like a personally a quite a confusing part of my explorations at the moment is this idea of, managing the environment it's like the idea of it yes. itself and 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 like there is a part of that that requires a sort of intentional management but then that kind of dances along with the idea of just you know smiling at the difficulties as well and, and like you said about them realizing that that's part of the installment process so there's something to do with you know how do i you know amongst this kind of um plague and amongst this kind of collapse and amongst this kind of you know, um, this, 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 um, intense sense of, of chaos energy, you know, um, how do I find the space within that? And how do I maybe 
manage my environment, um, both, you know, um, from in terms of my body and, and the kind of microcosms and, and I'm like the, you know, and also, um, you know, the, the space in which that I live and the kind of seemingly out of, out of realms, which are obviously all connected, but how do I kind of manage that? And the people that I interact with and, and, um, you know, being quite, quite, quite conscious and intentional about who and how I, I have those interactions, um, with, and yeah, there's, it's, it's quite a complex thing, but I think the, the main thing seems to be, um, the space and also, um, it's, it seems like both, like, it seems like there's an allowing and a, a touching the sacred within the ordinary and a, and a kind of recognition of that in the moment through the breath for some reason. And then there seems to be a, um, what's coming up for me is also, um, gradually moving in a, in a better kind of in towards a better managed environment or creating that space by either taking time away so that there can be that kind of balance or by kind of rearranging things, but in a gentle kind of natural way. I don't know. That's, I just yes. want to know what you feel. Okay. About that. Yes. Yeah. Good. There's, there was a lot in there. The part that I, the theme that came out for me repeatedly that I'd like to uh, respond to is this, the ambiguity of the term space, right? Yeah. Um, and so on, on, in, on the one hand, we use space as in time and space, it's matter, it's here. And we've, we've, we've made space a tangible thing. You know, this is my space. Welcome into my space. Yeah. You know, oh, you're too, this, you're, you're too in my space. You know, you're too in my face. Um, and, and, um, on the other hand though, we say in the new age now, people will say, oh, I was just holding space for them. Mm. And in that moment, we're, we're saying something very different. It's like uh, holding, holding space. What do you mean? Did we like, what was going on there? It's like, we know what you mean, but it, we're, using, we're using it in a very different way, right? We're saying, I was bringing deep presence to that moment, right? I was holding space for them. I was bringing deep presence. And it's very different to uh, a map where in space are my glasses right now? <laughs> are they by the phone? No, you know, like, so we've got these two different things. And again, our, um, our, our culture has our culture has materialized space at a, at a, at a bottom level, right? Um, at a, from a scientific perspective. Um, and I think that um, part of our, part of the wasteland is the schism that has been made that gives us this bifocal lens that splits the world in half, that creates, you know, an up and a down to everything, a right and a wrong, uh, a, a body and a spirit, you know, like a left and a right, a good and an evil, you know, an us and a them. It's just, it's a victim and a perpetrator. Every, everything, we've got these goggles on and everything fits into which one, one of those, you know, desirable or undesirable, good and bad, <laughs> you know. And, um, and that lens, which has split space off and put it in this particular way, is partly what creates the wasteland, is that we exist in an external space, space as something outside of me space as in the place the literal space of where my glasses are when i can't find them however the experience that you're speaking about the experience of the whirling dervish that's a that's not it's not like you must do it in persia that's the space you go and whirl 
where which was the town that Rumi did the spinning and where was it you know like I must go there no, spinning those bells you yeah. must not <laughs> that's right or how how many rotations did he do per minute and exactly where was his hand in the thing and then he turn his head he's like also wrong like you can see how that could be either a beautiful spiritual practice or it could be a dogmatic cult where they're just like and on that day he had the sandals on that had red paint on the left strap so we must always wear the red ah. and if one does not then one should have one's beard shaven and chased naked through the town and shamed with goose feathers and let it be known <laughs> for all time you, you know like there's something lit there's a there's an aut there's an autistic literalism to the way in which our dogma and our dogmatic mind wants to grab a hold of things, mm. right? And so those that's what we do with traditions. We, we biblify, it says in the Bible, it says the thing. And so the space that we're talking about, we say, then we do that because space is different to spirit. There's space that we can explore in a rocket ship and there's spirit, which is something that hovers above that. You can't take a rocket ship to spirit because this rocket ship can only take you through space, right? <laughs> so we've got this weird ambiguity and sense around the world and where and what it is because we've thingified the world. Thank you for your participation in this episode of the Today Dreamer podcast. I'll leave links on our beautiful guest in the show notes section on the website where you can check out all their wonderful work and offerings. And if you're interested in working one-on-one -on -one with me, feel free to head over to todaydreamer.com and get in touch. Also, if you'd like to participate in some group meditation sessions online that I'm offering for free only to listeners of the show, then please send me an email through the contact form on the website. I'll add you to the list and um, I'll give you all the details to that and any other upcoming kind of offerings around helping your development in this space. Thank you so much again 